Canine Cast number 59 is brought to you by Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID Microchips on the web at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 58, which was our Valentine's Day edition and also Toby and Kyler's birthday podcast. We also had a discussion on that show about puppies who refuse to sleep and a dog-aggressive dog that even attacked dogs on television. Thanks, Walter. On today's Canine Cast, we're going to be talking about pet detectives. We're going to talk a little bit about Toby's story and background and also touch on the raw food, uh, dog food diet debate. So um, before we get into all that, I have to say we're, we're very happy to be back in our apartment with power and heat and all those niceties um, that go with it tonight and actually be with our setup to be able to do the canine cast. So uh, thanks for bearing with us. The The wind around here knocked out power to, I, oh, I don't know, half the state from the sound of it. And all over the Northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hit us pretty hard up here yesterday. So we were lucky that we had someplace else to go that did have heat, so uh, we weren't all curled up together in one blanket trying to stay warm. Um, But unfortunately, our setup was back in the apartment with no power to to put on the computers and such. Anyway, so, so yeah, so here we are. Everything's back to normal, and we can go ahead and do our show. Now, to start out... Walter found an interesting story on uh, ABC News that we're going to link to for you. And what it's about is essentially a pet detective that helps find lost dogs. Now, the, the article starts out talking about Vivi. For those of you who haven't heard of Vivi, uh, at the Westminster Kennel Club dog show recently, um, she's, a, she's a whippet who was in the show, and after the show, actually on the tarmac when she was about to be loaded into the plane from what i understand she escaped and has and hasn't been found yet at least not um so far as we've heard so um so as as part of that story they uh, the reporter here had talked to a pet detective um a person who who in this case helps to find lost dogs so it was kind it was kind of neat because this person offered tips on how on um, you know how to deal with stray dogs. Now we had gone over that in Canine Cast number three, but one thing that this person brought up that we thought was was really kind of a neat point is that a lot a lot of dogs when they're when they're lost will do one of two things: either they're, they're very friendly, gregarious dogs that will just kind of come up to any person who pays attention to them, um, in which case they'll probably be returned to their owner fairly quickly. Or there are some dogs who just naturally are a bit more reserved and tend to go away from people. And apparently Vivi is one of these dogs. Now, with these more reserved dogs, what, um, what happens a lot of times is they will, you know, they'll run away from people. They won't just come up to somebody. They'll run and hide. They tend to be out longer because of this. They're tougher to catch. Now, because these dogs are out a little bit longer, they'll tend to get a little, well, they, they won't look as good. They may get a little skinny. Their coats may get kind of dull or disheveled, so on and so forth. And then eventually, so if somebody does you know, ca- um, come across them and be able to catch them, 
then because the dog was reserved, because the dog's not looking so well, a lot of people will think that the dog was abused, and you know that's why it's trying to stay away from people. Now, this pet detective points out that that's not always, you know, that's not always the case. Some some dogs, this just happens. However, apparently there's a problem where if people think that the dog was abused, and that, of course, had something to do with the dog running away, then they won't call the owners, even if the dog has tags. So I do want to point out to everybody who's listening, if you do find a dog, you know, that's out and you are able to catch a dog, um, even, you know, even if it's aloof, even if it looks kind of, you know, bad, if there's any way that you are able to get contact information on the dog, either because it's wearing tags or um, because you, if it doesn't have tags on, if you were, uh, took it to the vet or to a shelter and they were able to find a microchip ID on it, please do try to get into contact with the owners because, I mean, they may be the most loving, caring owners out there and absolutely distraught that their dog is out just I mean, the dog may have been out for a little while, so it's looking pretty rough. And as dogs tend to stay out, they do tend to get a little bit um, less friendly in some cases, even if they started out that way. So they can get a little bit more aloof than you would have expected. So, um, of course, you know, I know all of you guys are probably, whenever you do come across dogs, probably do want to reunite them with their owners if possible. So, um, you know, so please do that. Another thing, though, you know, we still maintain, as we said in Canine Cast number 3, if you do try to um, you know, approach a dog and it's and it's not coming towards you, um, you know you can you can try using kibble. We tr- definitely say you know try to get down and make yourself real small so that you're not too imposing. But if the dog is headed away from you or isn't friendly, tr- d- please don't chase the dog. Number one, it can be dangerous for you if the dog you know feels cornered and frightened. But um, the other thing is that the dog may take off and start running. A much better thing to do is if, you know, if the, you're not able to get the dog to come up to you and catch it in an easy fashion, to go ahead and just call your animal services or your animal control in the area and allow them to come out. And in, in some cases, they may be working with these pet detectives where that's what they do is go out and try to catch dogs that are loose. Now, this particular pet detective said that for a dog such as Vivi that are on the loose aren't likely to go up to a person. They actually said what what they what they would do, and this person says in this case she would use what she called a magnet dog and a snappy snare. the The snare is something you may have seen on TV or maybe even um, seen animal services using these. It's kind of a long pole with a loop at the end. It's used to catch the dog very very quickly by putting it around its head and then tightening it enough that the dog can't get out, but also keeps the dog far enough away from the person that's using it that the dog is not going to be able to turn around and injure the person if the dog is surprised. So um, so they can use that. And the magnet dog, I thought, was a very interesting idea. She says, a magnet dog is a super friendly, wiggly dog that, you know, that this magnet dog will be near the missing dog because a lot of dogs especially if they're dog friendly are going to be like are going to be more likely to approach another dog than a person. So they just keep this magnet dog on a very very long lead. Um, they kind of the person tries to get out of the way, tries to get out of the way but still holding this this dog on the lead and then the magnet dog's job is basically to signal to the missing dog that it wants to play. Now, if it's a very, you know, gregarious dog as these magnet dogs are, it'll probably be very excited to see another dog and want to play. And then um, normally 
they say that um, that draws the the missing dog out enough that they can go ahead and use their snappy snare to get it to get it under control and take it back. Now, the other thing that they do is they do have humane traps, which what they'll do with those is just kind of set them out in the general vicinity of where the dog is. With the traps, the drawback is that it can take a few days because what they do is they put food in the trap and the dog may need to get pretty hungry before it before it will overcome its fear of being in the new environment and going near this trap thing that it probably doesn't recognize. But after a few days, the dog may, you know, get hungry enough that it, you know, that it wants to go get that food. And so it'll kind of do that. And then the trap will catch it so that it can be returned to its owner. So I thought that was kind of neat to hear about some of the ways that they go about to, to actually capture these dogs that are out and roaming about so that they can be reunited with their owners. So we'll have that story linked for you so that you can look at it and see some of the some of the details in it it's 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 a really really neat story so you know please check it out next as promised we're going to talk a little bit about toby and the, the reason why we brought this up is we got an email from a listener who asks if our dog is a rat terrier this is from melanie and she writes is your small dog a rat terrier i was just wondering because i have three of them one is a rescue the other two were raised from puppies well, Melanie, um, what, what what actually both of our dogs are, but um, the small one, Toby, it's, this is true of him as well. What they are is, is always an object of much discussion, and it, it can get lively. Uh, I'll Just to give you guys the background of Toby, um, both, both of our dogs are rescues, so we got Toby from a rescue. And from what we understand, from what they had told us, he was originally um, bought from a pet store by the, you know, whoever, whoever his first owners were. Um, bought from a pet store as a Chihuahua. Now we don't we don't personally think that he that he is a purebred Chihuahua for a number of reasons. One of them is you know, if you look at him, you can see that his head is not that round apple-headed Chihuahua look that um, that that most Chihuahuas are. So that so that's number one. Um, number two, he's he's really large for a Chihuahua. He is about 11 to 12 pounds, and um, the, the breed standard for Chihuahuas is 6 pounds. Now, of course, with breeds of dogs, it can vary kind of widely, but, uh, but he's, he's really large. And then also, um, if now, in the picture, you can't tell this because this is just a, a little picture of his cute little head and him smiling. But if you see a picture of his body, he's kind of, he's kind of built rather 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 sturdy for a chihuahua he's kind of stocky um, and he has these short little legs so um, so all of those things and also some some of his attitude um, kind of says to us that we, we think that he's part terrier now what kind of a terrier um, we don't we don't really know um, we've we've seen we've seen rat terriers um, Jack Russell's fox terriers that lo- you know that looking at them we go hmm you know Toby really could be part you know what that what that dog is so it could be it could be a number of things, but uh, and one of, one of the funniest things about him that makes us think that he's you know not just Chihuahua but Terrier is he is he he really has a lot of that of that Terrier you know things don't really bother him too much he doesn't he, he doesn't really get too affected by uh, you know pain or those kinds of things not that we try to put him in pain 
But um, but just today, Walter's hands were super, super cold. He's sitting there petting Toby, and Toby's just sitting there loving it, like not bothered by it at all. And uh, he commented on it, and Walter says, well, you know, he's a terrier. That's how he is. So um, so anyway, so that's that's what we believe he probably is. Although, over time, it's been really interesting because people have, have brought up all so many different kinds of breeds that you know that you kind of look at him and um you know some days he looks he looks so much like one thing some days he looks so much like another so he could be you know any number of things and if you want to see what toby looks like if you haven't already visited our canine cast website at the very top of our website we've got the canine cast mascots toby and kyler toby on the left kyler on the right so take a look if you haven't already visited the website and seen toby and kyler Yes, and if and you know whether you're going to visit it or if you've seen it in the past, if you take a look at Toby's ears, they're so huge he looks like he's apparently part bat. So, who knows? <laughs> is uh, is basically, but he's he's a Toby and he's he's cute and sweet and we love him. Um, and of course, that's the same. The same is true of Kyler too. Although what she is is a totally totally different discussion. But thanks for writing in to um, to ask us about that, Melanie. Um, I'd be I'd be very interested um, to see how much he may look like one of your dogs. So um, next we have another question that I kind of touched on this email before. Um, we it, this person um, actually wrote us some questions that we went over before, but we wanted to save this particular question for later. We could give it a little bit of time. So this is from Brad, and he writes in asking about the raw diet debate. Hi, Walter and Tara. I have a question for you today. I just read this article on which tackles the debate about the benefits and dangers of feeding your dog raw meat and bones. I guess I can see both sides of the argument, but I must say these days you don't know who to believe. I thought you might be able to shed some unbiased light on the matter and let us know what you think about feeding our dogs the kinds of foods mentioned in that article. Thanks for writing in, Brad. Um, now, the, the original article that Brad sent us was a, a really lengthy one on Salon.com. Um, so what I, what I actually did was I went and found some, some shorter ones that kind of get to the, the meat of the debate that we'll link to. No pun intended. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Walter. Um, that that kind of get to, uh, yeah, well, down, down to what's, you know, what the debate Down to is the about. bare bones of the argument. Ha, ha, ha. Very good. Um that, and we'll post the links to those for you so you can just kind of give them a quick read and see essentially what's going on there. Um, and and to, get, to give you an idea, it, it's interesting because the, the debate, it, you hear mostly about, you know, basically dog food, um, like commercial dog food, for lack of a better term, which would be like kibble or canned food versus the raw diet. However, um, it, also, it also can get more complicated than that even because there are a number of people who actually cook food for their dog as well. So um, there's, there's many, many different ways of feeding your dog. Each one's have pros and cons, and, and as Brad brought up, it, it's, it's the truth. You really don't know who to believe, and, and part, of it, part of it is just figuring out what works for you and your dog, and also keeping in mind that um, you know there's there's a number of studies that are out there on different kinds of foods that are for the most part done by the dog food companies in trying to get you know good formulations for the foods that they that they sell that are out there. A lot of the raw diet 
um, information now isn't isn't necessarily done through scientific studies so much as anecdotal evidence. That that doesn't mean that you know that it's wrong or not true. It's just you know it's just that um, at this point it's kind of a newer phenomenon to go with um, these raw diets. To, to give you a little bit of background about what it is, um, a lot of people you'll you'll find it called many things. A lot of people um, refer to it as a B A R F. Is how it's um, is how it's shortened barf diet. You'll hear people call it that. It stands for what? Well, most of the time people say bones and raw food. Another really common one is biologically appropriate raw food, and I think that's actually where the acronym came from to begin with. Right? It's attributed to have been started by an Australian uh, veterinarian named Ian Billinghurst. The idea, the idea behind it, is that you know, as as dogs evolved, you know, first as wolves in the wild, what kind of foods would they have been eating? Well, you know, they they would have been eating whatever they they caught or they found. So they would be eating, um, you know, whole car- whole carcasses of you know different prey animals that they found. Um, now dogs are indeed omnivores, and they they were known to eat first of all. Um, you know, different, different roughage that might have been, you know, in the prey animals they found, but also, you know, the occasionally, you know, fruits, vegetables, that kind of thing that they found out in the wild, too. Um, you know, and of course, your dogs today, I'm sure if you, if you, you know, drop a carrot on the floor are more than happy to eat it right up if you allow them to do so. So, you know, so as you can see, that's, that's definitely something that's true today. Now, um, some of some of the things that are that are brought up for these different types of diets is that um, you know well first first of all if you're feeding your dog commercial dog food that you can just kind of go out and buy it's it's really really convenient um, and there you know there are many there are so many different formulations about it and we've actually done canine casts on how to pick good um, dog kibble for your dog now. These different formulations have, you know, have been developed by the companies who have done different studies to try and figure out what's best for dogs. But with, you know, as, as with human nutrition, I mean, they, you know, that's something that's continually growing and developing as they're trying to figure out really what, you know, the best types of foods and the best um, different amounts are. It's kind of the same thing with dogs. They're, they're still trying to figure out exactly what's out there that is the best for dogs. And that tends, that tends to change as they figure out more information. So it becomes, you know, not not only is it is it difficult because, you know, you don't know who to believe. I mean, every side does have their, you know, their own pros and cons, but also because the information, you know, changes on a on a fairly regular basis. So you kind of, you know, the, one of the best things to do if you you know, if you're interested in, you know, looking at the different pros and cons of different diets is to kind of keep an eye out there on, you know, the studies, the anecdotal evidence Take, try and take everything you hear with a grain of salt, but at the same time, you know, just kind of ask yourself, you know, does this does this make sense? Um, and then go from there. I know people who have done um, who've done the raw diet and whose you know dogs do great on that. I've known people who do high quality dog food and their dogs do great on that. I know people who cook for their dogs and their dogs do do great on that. Now with the raw diet, basically, um, you know. What, what you do is you give your dogs, it's, it's, it is supposed to be all raw food, so it's not cooked, um, and it includes bones, um, muscle, and organ meat. The, the organ meat is supposed to be especially important for this particular diet. Uh, raw eggs, vegetables, fruit, dairy, um, and, and 
what what different things people will give their dogs depends on basically basically what you know what they have learned and the different um, theories that they're using to develop their dog's diets. For example, some people will at, well as part of this give their dogs um, parts of parts of um, you know different types of cereals and grains, whereas other people believe that you know the grains and, and cereals and such are not good for their dogs and so completely won't do that at all. So so even within the diets, there's many, many different variations that are out there. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, different, different people will give you um, kind of different takes on the nutritional backgrounds that veterinarians get in, in a veterinary school. Um, you know, so, some will say that, you know, it's just kind of something that's, that's um, you know, there on the side. Some, you know, and it, and it is kind of tough to find a, you know, a real veterinary nutritionist. Most veterinarians, um, you know, that's, that's just part of what they studied. Um, so, you know, so, so, you know, in speaking with them, if you, if you did want to go with, say, a raw diet, this was something that you're interested in, I would say, I would say definitely, you know, talk to your vet about it. And if you can try to find out either, you know, from, from them or some, you know, find out from them, they may be, um, a nutritionist or they may be able to recommend a nutritionist to you, but it would be helpful to work with a person who is some type of a canine nutritionist who'd be able to give you an idea of exactly what your dog needs. Um, one of the, one of the very common drawbacks or criticisms of the, the raw food diets, but also of even um, the cooked food diets that people do at home is that you have to give your dog a lot of variety in order for it to get its uh, full nutritional needs met. I mean, kind of, kind of like with people. I mean, you know, people go with vitamin deficiencies and so on and so forth every single day just from not getting enough variety in their diet. Well, same thing can definitely happen with dogs. And so you have to be really careful um, so that you know that your dog is getting everything that it needs with these with these diets. Now, for us, as I think I've mentioned before, we actually we go with a you know with a dry kibble for our dogs, um, a very 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 high quality one that um, you know ha- doesn't doesn't uh, use preservatives and um, uses only very very certain specific types of meats and ingredients in it. And now in Canine Cast number thirty, we brought up how to choose a good dry dog food for your dog. So you know so you ca- you can do that as well. And we also talk about the food that we use as well in that one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, the, re- the reason for us doing that is, tr- truthfully, when it comes to me, I worry about my ability to <laughs> fulfill my own nutritional needs. Um, and I've, you know, been hearing about the food pyramid and what you're supposed to do with that since I was five years old. So, um, so I kind of don't trust myself that well to be able to adequately fulfill my dog's nutritional needs as well, you know, as well as I would like to, if I were to go with a diet like this. Um, in addition, however, though, there, there are some other, there are some other issues out there. For example, um, some of the, some of the foods that are recommended in the diet are also foods that, um, according to the, the ASPCA, um, can be foods that are poisonous for your dog. So, I mean, of course it depends the amounts that the dog eat, but, for example, um, garlic is one that in, that is often talked about as an important component of the raw diet. However, at the same time, um, I we've I, we've put up the ASPCA poison um, poison control 
poison list before, but we'll, we'll go ahead and link to that. I also have a link to one that's specific to foods that talks about foods that you should avoid for your dog. Um, one of them listed on there is garlic. That's, um, it's, it's not as toxic as onions, but is in kind of the same area. Um, what I like about the food list, and this little off topic, but it, it gives you information as to if your dog has ingested this, what the symptoms are. Um, so, so that's something that's, that's kind of neat that's there. Um, now, another thing that's really important for, for dogs, according to the, you know, to the, um, the raw food diets, is liver. However, if the dog has too much liver, then that can cause um, vitamin A toxicity or you know, almost, almost kind of an, a vitamin A overdose, so on and so forth. So, so you want to be really careful if you're going to do these kinds of diets to do the right food for your dogs, but also in the right amounts. So that's something that's very, very important for these. Um, now, a lot of people, a lot of people who, you know, who do the raw diets and say that, and say that, you know, it's, it's been really good for them have had experiences where their dogs have been, you know, sick, sick or lethargic or had problems. One that, one that's talked about a lot, especially is, de- you know, dental hygiene and dental problems on, on dry dog food diets, they switch them over to the raw food diets and it, and it helps out their dog a lot. They say, you know, their dog is like a, a new dog has renewed energy and their teeth are very clean and, you know, and that it's really, really good for their dental hygiene and so on. So, um, you know, so there are pros and cons there. Now on the flip side of that, a lot of that will depend on what type of a kibble the dog was fed to begin with. If, um, you know, if the dog's fed on, you know, for, for example, just, you know, whatever's on sale down at the supermarket, that may not be the best quality dog food that's out there. Um, so you can also get really good results with your dogs if they're not doing well in the food that they have at the moment by switching them to a much higher quality food. And, um, that, you know, and that's something that a lot of veterinarians and nutritionists will recommend as well, um, you know, rather than necessarily going to a, a raw food diet or even a homemade cooked food diet to try a higher quality kibble. Um, I know that, that we had, we had um, a situation where Toby had allergies and was just like licking his paws raw. Um, and, it, and by switching to, actually we were, we, were, we were feeding him a pretty high quality kibble as it was, but, um, but we switched to another one, which I would say is probably higher quality and, um, and it was, is great for him now. So, um, and, and he, he has, I mean, he still licks his paws, but not, not to the point where he did. So, so it just really depends on what works well for you and your dog. If you, you know, if, if this is something that you feel that you would like to try to do and you, and, you know, you feel like the pros would be, you know, would be worth it. Say maybe, you know, you're trying to work with, um, something that's wrong with your dog and an allergy, a sensitivity an illness, something like that, and you think that this would help you, then, you know, it may, it may be for you. However, know that, you know, at, at this point, there aren't really um, very good, there, there, I mean, th- th- there's lots of information that's out there, and there's not a really great way to tell what of that information may be the absolute best for you and your dog. So you're going to want to do a lot of research, get a lot of background and get really, really familiar with your dog's nutritional needs. Because if you do it right, you know, it it sounds like from the anecdotal evidence that it could be something that's really good for your dog. However, 
if you you know if if it's not done right, your dog can develop some pretty serious deficiencies that will be un- more unhealthy for the dog than it may have been staying where it was. So um so that's so that's kind of you know both sides of the debate. As I said, I've I've known people who's who've fed their dogs in many different ways and their dogs have done absolutely wonderfully. So it just kind of depends on where you are, the time you can put in, in into it, um, and what's you know what's right for you and your dog. Uh, some o- some other things to keep in mind though with the with the raw food diet um, that wouldn't apply to the to the cooked food diet um, as part of the raw food diet uh, a lot of raw food com- um, proponents say that dogs should have bones in their diet which you know w- which is fine we've talked about um, dogs chewing on bones before specifically like you know beef bones that kind of thing how however um, in the raw food diet a lot of raw food proponents claim that it's okay for dogs to have, for example, um, poultry bones as part of them eating, say, a, a raw chicken carcass, that the poultry bones um, won't, you know, won't splinter like cooked ones because they're raw, and so that it's okay and it won't hurt, you know, won't hurt the dog. However, um, veterinarians do say that 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 is something, you know, that is something that can be a detriment to the dog, regardless of if poultry is cooked or raw that it can still, um, you know, hurt the dog's insides, you know, puncture their, their intestines, so on and so forth, just do um, bad things to the dogs. So again, this is an area where I would highly recommend, you know, consulting with a veterinarian um, to find out what would or would not be safe with um, these types of foods. Another thing to keep in mind is eggs. Um, raw, uncooked eggs are a, bi- are a big part of this diet. However, um, they can transmit salmonella. You also have worries about E. coli um, with giving your dog raw meat. And while the dog may not get sick, um, the dog can then become a carrier of these different diseases and you know, such things as maybe your dog licking you um, after eating something that was infected could make you or members of your family sick. So this is something else to kind of keep in mind, and um, that's that's something that you would want to work around to try to negate those possibilities as well. But um, but you know, generally, you know, the the best way to see how it you know how a diet is working for you and your dog is to just you know see see the condition of your dog. If your dog's coat is shiny, if the dog you know if the dog has energy and it's healthy, then chan- you know chances are. Your dog's, you know, doing pretty well on its diet, and so it may be something that's good for it, regardless of what diet you're using. Um, if your dog, you know, if it if it doesn't have energy, if it has allergies, um, if there are if there are skin problems, if the dog seems, you know, real lethargic or you know is really really overweight, um, and especially if you see any sudden onset of of symptoms such as um, you know panting or vomiting or diarrhea, um, you know, or anything else that is is unusual with your dog's you know normal normal um, behavior and functioning that that you know kind of is is out of nowhere begins suddenly and is a big change then um you know then then the diet may be maybe something that that isn't working for you guys if you if you do notice a sudden um severe symptom take your dog to the vet right away so that they the vet can find out what it is um you know and it could be that the dog ate too much or or even too little of something um, the vet should be able to help you figure that out. Um, that could be that could be true, of course, regardless of if, if you're feeding raw, home home cooked, or if you're feeding kibble. So um, so thank you so much, Brad, for you know for writing in about that. Um, 
you know, I've, I hope that I've given you all some some things to to think about. As I've said, whatever works best for for you and your dog is you know is is up to you, but is the you know the best course of action. So, if you're trying to you know make a decision yourself, I, I wish you luck with that. And of course, we you know we love getting questions from all of our listeners because we get to you know share share information with our other listeners and and also you know for for me it generally spurs me to do you know some some research into areas where I maybe you know where, where I've maybe you know touched touched on before or looked at before but get a little bit deeper into it so it's really exciting please keep the questions and the feedback coming we we love to hear from you guys. For right now, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. As a bloodhound, I have a pretty good sense of smell. Right now, I can smell a seven-ounce filet with hollandaise sauce about four miles from here. Mmm, I love filet. I think I'll go see if they have any left over. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And now it's time for listener pictures. These pictures were sent in from Nikki, who talked to us last time and asked us if catnip was safe for dogs. And I believe that was canine cast number 53. And these pictures are of Paige. And there are four pictures that she sent in. And one of them is of Paige reading. Talented dog. Yes. And what is that she's reading? It looks like she is reading a magazine. Wow. So she's catching up on current events. There's also uh, some pictures of Paige chilling and sitting in the office that Nikki wrote in about in that canine cast. So go ahead and take a look at those pictures in the canine cast listeners picture gallery online at caninecast.com or in the enhanced podcast. Thanks so much for sending in the pictures of Paige. Um, we've had some questions from our listeners on how to get their pictures into the listener photo gallery. If you just uh, e- email those to us, then we upload them for you. And we get such a kick out of seeing them. I mean, there, there are so many that are just so cute and beautiful ones. And it's, it's just so great to see all of the dogs of the listeners that are out there. It's kind of our, our listener dog families. Um, so, you know, please continue to send those in to us. And we are thrilled to be able to share them with all of the other listeners. It's, it's a really, really neat gallery that we have there. Um, and, along, and along with that, too, as you know, I said, we love hearing from our listeners, so please continue to send us your stories, your feedback, your comments, your questions. You can do that um, either by email or by sending them into our website. If you would like to send us uh, information through an audio comment, then you can do that by sending that in through our voicemail number as well. And we, you know, we love being able to hear you guys. That's also something that's very, very neat and very cool to be able to share with the other listeners. Of course, when it's appropriate, when it's a, a question or, or, you know, information that's interesting for, you know, to share with everybody. So um, thank you all so much for continuing to support the show and interact with us in this really, really special way. We love it. We have such a good time doing this. And, you know, it's all because of you guys. So thanks for joining us once again. And until next time, if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, 
please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS. And you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.